0: 9. Northeast own self. He said, Do nothing. He trusted the Father, and lived a life of perfect righteousness in human flesh. He who knew no sin, bore man's sin in his body on the cross. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. For man's sin he died, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. In him was met the penalty of the law. But it was a sinless sacrifice. He, through the eternal Spirit, offered himself without spot to God. He Nine fourteen. Therefore death could not hold him. He rose in the power of an endless life to be man's advocate and priest and savior, ministering his grace and righteousness and life to everyone who will receive them. The righteousness that he wrought out for man in human flesh he longs to put into every human heart. As in his own flesh in Judea he walked and lived the life of righteousness. So now, by the Holy Spirit, he walks in human lives today. That means forgiveness and deliverance from the power of the flesh, and a new life of power, and righteousness and justification wrought within by the divine indwelling Savior, how may we receive him with all this great salvation, by faith, by believing his promises, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, if, 317, Christ in all his fullness abiding within, this is the wonder and mystery of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, it means an ever present, ever living Savior, able to save to the uttermost. What abundance of grace is received with his indwelling presence. Forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. Deliverance from the flesh. The cleansing by Christ's indwelling power means that the old life of self is subdued. Our old man is crucified with him. Ram. 6,6. 6. Ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit if so be that the spirit of god dwell in you and if christ be in you the body is dead because of sin but the spirit is life because of righteousness rom 9, 10 a new heart a new heart also will i give you and a new spirit will i put within you is 36 minutes and 26 seconds a new life be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on the new man which after god is created in righteousness and true holiness if 423 24. It is in blessed fact Christ Jesus living the life in the believer by faith. As the Apostle Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I but Christ life in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, and gave himself for me. Now to 20. Righteousness and justification. This is his name whereby he shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. Jer. Twenty-three six. Well does the King James Version print the blessed name in capital letters. It is the great name of salvation to every believer. By faith we receive him, and by faith his righteousness is imputed unto us. His life of obedience covers all the believer's surrendered life, past and continuous. And in God's sight the life of the believer in Jesus is justified from all sin. It is the triumph of him who was not only delivered for our offenses, but was also, raised again for our justification, therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. ROM 5 18, 19 Christ died and rose again to bring this experience to sinners who had struggled helplessly under condemnation as Christ Jesus with all his righteousness is received by faith. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Rom. 8, 1 Praise the Lord. It is all of Christ, and not of any works that we have done. Therefore it is as sure as the oath and promise of God. We can lose the experience only as we let Christ go out of the life by unbelief. God forbid that we should do this, and help us to be quick to repent and again lay hold of him by faith if ever we find we have let him go and have lost the covering of his righteousness. Jesus, thy blood and righteousness my beauty are, my glorious dress, mid-hosts of sin, in these arrayed, my soul shall never be afraid. Illustration, the last prayer, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3:16. Christ's Righteousness Island of Necessity the righteousness demanded by the law of God. He lives that law in the believer. This is what justification island, not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Rom. 2.13. Justification by faith makes the man a doer of the law by faith. Christ living every one of its sacred precepts in the believer's life. This is what he died to accomplish, to bring the righteousness of the law to the sinner who could never attain to it himself. What the law could not do. In that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Rom. 8:3, 4. Christ writes God's law in the new heart. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. Heb. 8:10. It is the rule of His own righteousness for before he came into the world to work out perfect righteousness for us in human flesh. He said, through the psalmist, I delight to do thy will. O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. P.S. 40, 8. It is a perfect righteousness and a full salvation that Christ brings into every believer's heart. In him all fullness dwells, and ye are complete in him. The wondrous plan of salvation is so deep that only, in the ages to come, will God be able to, show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus, if, 2 colon 7, but thank God, even here below sinners saved by grace may, know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, the wonders of redeeming love our highest thoughts exceed, the Son of God comes from above, for sinful man to bleed, he knows the frailties of our frame, for he has borne our grief. Our great high priest once felt the same, and he can send relief. His love will not be satisfied till he in glory see the faithful ones for whom he died from sin forever free. R. F. Cottrell. Illustration, the fort of Jordan. John also was baptizing in Enon near to Salim, because there was much water there. John 3 23. Baptism the memorial of the resurrection. Baptism is the divinely appointed memorial of the resurrection of Christ. The great fact of the gospel is that, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. 1 Cor 15, 3 4 To be our great high priest and savior, baptism is a profession of faith in the savior, who went into the grave for us, and rose again to a life. It is the great object lesson to teach the truth that the sinner must die to sin and the world and had a resurrection by the power of divine grace to a new life of obedience. The ordinance is the sign of an actual experience. The means by which the believer confesses the work of grace in the soul. The scriptures teach the essential conditions necessary to baptism, go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16 15. 16. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest, Acts 8:36, 37, then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, Acts 2:38. thus it is seen that instruction in the gospel, belief in Christ, and repentance are conditions to precede baptism, baptism for believers the experience of which baptism is the sign is thus stated, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Rom. 6 4. As many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now 3:27. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Call. 2 12. In this ordinance. Commanded of God. The believer is following the example of Christ, who. When baptized by John and Jordan, said, "Thus it became us to fulfill all righteousness." Thus, through the emblematic grave, the glorious suffering Savior trod. Thou art our pattern. Through the wave we follow thee. Blessed Son of God. The form of baptism, the scriptural form of baptism, is shown in these texts. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. Matt. 3:16. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Acts 8 38. Buried with him by baptism, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Rom. 6 4. 5. While the outward form of a religious service, without the spirit and the experience which the form professes, must ever be unacceptable to God, yet when the Lord prescribes a form, it is imperative that his instruction should be followed. The form of the ordinance as commanded by God emphasizes the divine meaning of the service. Scriptural baptism is a burial, in the likeness, of Christ's burial. As the lifting up of the believer from the watery grave is a likeness of the resurrection of Christ. Of the meaning of the word, baptism. Luther wrote, baptism is a Greek word, in Latin it can be translated immersion. As when we plunge something into a water that it may be completely covered with water. Opera Lutheri. sac. Bap. 1. Page 319 Baptist Encyclopedia, Art, Baptism, Kelvin, after arguing that the form is an indifferent matter, says, the very word baptize, however, signifies to immerse, and it is certain that immersion was observed by the ancient church, institutes, lib, 4, cap, 15 Baptist Encyclopedia, Art, Baptism, of the practice in primitive times, Meander, the church historian, says, in respect to the manner of baptizing, in conformity with the original institution and the original import of the symbol, it was generally administered by immersion. History of the Christian Church. Torrey's Translation London Edition. Volume I page 429. The perversion of the ordinance into sprinkling, and that in infancy, takes away the divinely ordained object lesson, and in the case of the infant must of necessity substitute near ceremonialism for experience for the child of an accountable years can have had no experience of believing and repenting, which are the necessary conditions to fulfill the meaning of baptism. The change in the ordinance, like most of the changes that came about in the days of the falling away from the primitive faith and practice, was by gradual process. Dean Stanley, in his Christian Institutions, page 24, says that it is not till the third century that we find one case of the baptism of infants, of the change from immersion to sprinkling. He says, what is the justification of this almost universal departure from the primitive usage? There may have been many reasons. Some bad. Some good. One, no doubt, was the superstitious feeling already mentioned which regarded baptism as a charm, indispensable to salvation, and which insisted on imparting it to every human being who could be touched with water. However unconscious, the common practice as late as the 12th century is thus described by a Roman Catholic cardinal of that time. Name police, whilst the candidate for baptism in water is immersed. The death of Christ is suggested, whilst immersed and covered with water. The burial of Christ is shown forth, whilst he is raised from the waters. The resurrection of Christ is proclaimed. Patrol. Lab. Volume CXXX. Page 315 Baptist Encyclopedia. Art. Baptism. Dean Stanley. Of Westminster. One of the first scholars of the Church of England. Wrote. For the first fourteen centuries the almost universal practice of baptism was that of which we read in the New Testament, and which is the very meaning of the word baptize, that those who were baptized were plunged, submerged, immersed into the water. That practice is still, as we have seen, continued in Eastern churches. In the Western church it still lingers among Roman Catholics in the solitary instance of the Cathedral of Milan, among Protestants in the numerous sects of the Baptists. It lasted long into the Middle Ages. But since the beginning of the 17th century, the practice has become exceedingly rare, with the few exceptions just mentioned. The whole of the Western churches have now substituted for the ancient bath the ceremony of letting fall a few drops of water on the face. The reason of the change is obvious. The practice of immersion, though peculiarly suitable to the southern and eastern countries for which it was designed, was not found seasonable in the countries of the North and West, not by any decree of council or parliament but by the general sentiment of Christian liberty, this remarkable change was effected, beginning in the 13th century, it has gradually driven the ancient Catholic usage out of the whole of Europe, Christian institutions, pages 21, 22, the facts are undeniable, and emphasize the importance of reformation and return in practice to the plain instructions of the Word of God, as the record shows. It was not the spirit of the New Testament church that made this change in the divine ordinance, rather it is the spirit of the church of the falling away, against which the Lord warns all believers, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant, the path he trod our Savior bowed beneath the wave, and meekly sought a watery grave, come, see the sacred path he trod a path well pleasing to our God, his voice we hear, his footsteps trace, and he hither come to seek his face, to do his will, to feel his love, and join our songs with those above. Admiram Judson. Illustration, symbols of Medio Persia and Grecia. The ram which thou sawest having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia, and the rough goat is the king of Grecia Dan. 820. 21. Illustration, coins of the immediate Persian and Grecian empires. The ram, symbol of Persia, and the goat, symbol of Grecia the prophecy of Daniel aid a historic outline and a vital question Another other view of the history of empires and kingdoms was brought before the prophet Daniel in the vision of the 8th chapter. In this vision a great prophetic period is given, the end of which reaches to the latter days, touching events of our own times that are of direct interest and importance to everyone today. The vision was given in the third year of Belshazzar, the last king of Babylon, again, as in moving panorama. Their passage before the prophets vision the scenes of history. Earthly kingdoms were represented under the symbols of beasts. We shall find the prophecy and the history corresponding in every detail, revealing the overruling hand of God, who knows the end from the beginning, and whose living word of truth bears its witness through all the ages. Truth never dies. The ages come and go, the mountains wear away, the seas retire, destruction laser of smighty cities low, and empires. States and dynasties expire, but caught and handed onward by the wise, truth never dies, the opening scene of this vision, given by the river Elay, in Persia, is thus described, prophecy, then I lifted out mine eyes, and saw, and, behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last, I saw the ram pushing westward, and northward and southward, so that no beast might stand before him. Neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will, and became great. Verses 3, 4. In the angel's interpretation of the vision Daniel was told, The ram which thou sawest having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia. Verse 20. The higher came up last. The two horns represented the dual character of the empire, first the Medes in ascendancy, then the Persians rising to a yet greater power so that no beast might stand before him, says the prophecy. History. Xenophon says of Cyrus the Persian, he was able to extend the fear of himself over so great a part of the world that he astonished all, and no one attempted anything against him. The Seropidia. Book 1. Chap. 1. The line of Medo-Persian conquest was, westward, and northward, and southward, just as the prophet saw the ram pushing its way. As one pen wrote in the days of Persia's supremacy, He dares showed the world arms glory crowned, towns and old before him fell, birds over sea, heard from his lips their fate, the Persians, by Aeschylus, but the ram pushing westward stirred up an antagonist that was eventually to overcome him, the prophet continues, prophecy, as I was considering, behold, a he goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth, and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes, and he came to the ram that had two horns, and ran unto him in the fury of his power, and there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground, and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand, verses 5-7, the angel's interpretation continued, the rough goat is the king of Grecia, and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king, verse 21, history, this first king of united Grisha was Alexander the Great, with Alexander the New Greece begins, Harrison. Story of Greece, page 499, and it happened, after that Alexander, had smitten Darius king of the Persians and Medes, that he reigned in his stead, the first over Greece, 1 Maccabees 1 colon 1, under Alexander, the Grecian goat ran upon the Persian ram, in the fury of his power, that Arbela, wrote the Macedonians charged, with great fury, none was able to deliver the Persian ram, wherever you fly, wrote Alexander to the retreating Darius, thither I will surely pursue. See, anaphases of Alexander the Great. By Book 2. Chap. 14. Medo-Persia fell before Grisha, as this sure word of prophecy had foretold two hundred years before Alexander's day. Grisha's expansion and its later history were next unfolded before the prophet's vision, prophecy. Therefore the he goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven verse 8 of the Ram Persia it was said it became great of the Gulf Grisha, that it became very great History Justin the Roman, wrote of Alexander so much was the whole world awed by the terror of his name that all nations came to pay their obedience to him history of the world book 12 chap 13 vain in his hopes the youth had grasped at all, and his vast thought took in the vanquished ball Lucan's Pharsalia Nicholas Rose translation. Book 3, but the unerring prophecy had said that, when he was strong, the great horn was broken. Suddenly the youthful conqueror was cut down by death, just as he was preparing to celebrate at Babylon convention of the whole universe, being thus taken off in the flower of his age, and in the height of his victories. Justin, History of the World, Book 13, Chap, 1, The Ancient Pagan Writers, In Telling the Story make use of language very similar to that used by divine prophecy in foretelling it. Following Alexander's death the empire was divided, toward the four winds of heaven. Meyer says, four well-defined and important monarchies arose out of the ruins. The great horn was broken, and instead of it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. History of Greece, edition 1902. Page 457. As the prophet watched these four kingdoms of divided Greece, he beheld another power coming into the field of his vision through one of the four kingdoms, and extending its authority more than any before it, prophecy. Out of one of them one of the four kingdoms came forth the little horn, which waxed exceeding great, toward the south, and toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. Verse 9. History. Medo-Persia was great. Grisha was very great. But this power was to be exceeding great. Rome followed Grisha. Polybius, The Roman says almost the whole inhabited world was conquered and brought under the dominion of the single city of Rome histories of polybius evelyn Schutberg's translation book 1 chap 1 one of the odes of horace tells how the name of rome grew to might till her superb dominion spread east where the sun comes forth in light and west to where he lays his head Ode 15 to augustus book 4 lucan's lines measured its exceeding greatness from the other points of the compass Go from the frozen pole. our empire run, far as the journeys of the southern Sunday, Pharsalia. Book 10. The empire of the Romans filled the world, says Gibbon. It was, exceeding great, according to the prophecy. In the vision the little horn that grew so great came into the prophet's view as proceeding out of one of the four horns that he had been watching. Rome rose to unquestioned supremacy out of its conquest of Macedonia, one of the four notable kingdoms into which Grecia was divided it spread forth toward the south, and toward the east, and toward the pleasant land, Palestine becoming a province of the empire in the century before Christ, and it was a Roman force that destroyed Jerusalem and devastated the pleasant land, thus the sure word of prophecy, with exactness and detail, carries the history through the centuries to the last great universal monarchy, Rome, but this prophecy does not deal so much with the earlier history of Rome as with the developments of later times, It was the same in the prophetic outline of Daniel 7, after briefly identifying Rome as the last universal monarchy, the vision of the 7th chapter dealt with the rise of papal Rome, described its exaltation of itself against God, and its warfare against the truth and the saints of God, and here again, in the 8th chapter, the same persecuting power is seen developing, exalting itself, and persecuting the saints of God. The prophecy says that it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. Dan. 812. The papal history, as given in the study on Daniel 7, need not be repeated here. Illustration. The camp of Israel in the wilderness, unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Dan. 814. As the prophet watched the work of this lawless power, his heart must have cried out to know how long it was to be allowed to prosper in its evil way. For next he heard the voice of the Holy One asking the question for him, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice, and the transgression of desolation, to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? Dan, eight fourteen. The answer was, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Verse 14. In symbolic prophecy a day stands for a year. Is, 4-6. This is a long period. Therefore, of 2300 years, it reaches to the latter days, for the angel said of it, that the time of the end shall be the vision, Dan, 817, the question was, how long, or literally, until when, and the answer was, until 2300 days, then what was to come to deal with the great apostasy, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed, the cleansing of the sanctuary, therefore, must have something to do with meeting the great apostasy. Lifting up God's truth that has been trampled underfoot, and cutting short the reign of evil, the cleansing of the sanctuary, with all that is involved in it, must be God's answer to this lawless power. Error may prosper for a time, but the just balances of the sanctuary will at last pronounce righteous judgment, and the prosperity of evil will be cut short. I was envious when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, said the psalmist. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. P.S. 73 colon 3, 17, what, then, is involved in the cleansing of the sanctuary, the time of which is marked by the long prophetic period, it is for us to understand, for it is a work pertaining to the latter days, illustration, our great high priest, we have such a high priest, who was set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, he, 8 colon 1, illustration, the interior of the sanctuary, a figure for time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices. Heb 9:9. 9, 9. The cleansing of the sanctuary in type and A-D-I-D-Y-P-E. The Bible teaching concerning the sanctuary of the Levitical service shows clearly that the cleansing of the sanctuary is God's answer to error and apostasy. The priestly service of the earthly sanctuary, or temple, in the days of Israel, was typical of the work of Christ, our High Priest, in the heavenly temple the earthly priests served after, the example and shadow of heavenly things, Heb 8 colon 5, and of Christ's ministry in the heavenly temple we are told, now of the things which we have spoken this is the sum, we have such a high priest, who was set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary, and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, and not man, Heb 8 colon 1, 2, in the earthly service, The cleansing of the sanctuary was the closing work of the high priest, marking the end of the yearly round of mediatory ministry. The cleansing of the sanctuary in the time of the end must, therefore, according to the sure teaching of the type, be the closing ministry of our great high priest in the heavenly temple, before he lays aside his priestly work to come in glory. The service of the earthly tabernacle There were two distinct phases in the priestly ministry of the tabernacle in Israel. The sanctuary was built with two apartments the holy place and the most holy, in the holy place were the candlestick with its seven lights, the table with its ever renewed bread of the presence, and the altar of incense, on which sweet incense, symbol of Christ's continual intercession, was burned morning and night, within the inner veil was the most holy place, where was the ark containing the tables of the law, written with the finger of God, the cover of the ark was the golden mercy seat, above which, at either end, stood to cherubim of gold, their wings meeting on high, their faces looking ever toward the mercy seat. It was a type of the throne of God the angels about the throne, the law the foundation of his government, the mercy seat typifying the interposition of mercy and pardon for the sinner, and above it the visible glory of the Lord, the Shekinah, there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim which are upon the ark of the testimony. Example 25 minutes and 22 seconds. Of the service in the first apartment it is stated, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. Heb. 9 6. Day by day the sacrificial victims were slain at the altar before the outer veil, and the blood was brought into the sanctuary by the priest. This was an acknowledgement of transgression of God's law, meriting death, and a confession of faith in the Lamb of God who was to suffer death in the sinner's stead and whose atoning blood would plead for him before the righteous law. Thus day by day, either by the sprinkling of the blood before the Lord, or by eating a portion of the flesh of the burnt offering in the holy place, the ministry of the priests transferred the sin and type to the sanctuary, and the sinner was pardoned, for a full year, lacking one day. The ministry was in the first apartment, or holy place only. But on that last day of the yearly round of service, the tenth day of the seventh month, the high priest entered the second apartment, or most holy place, into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself, and for the errors of the people. He, 9 colon 7, in the service the high priest sprinkled the blood upon the mercy seat and in the holy place, because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel. The sanctuary was to be reconciled or cleansed from all the sins registered therein tight through the blood of the offerings brought day by day during the year. As the high priest came out, bearing the sins, he transferred them all to the head of the scapegoat, which was sent away into the wilderness, and thus, all their iniquities, were borne away from the camp into the wilderness, and the sanctuary was cleansed. See Leviticus 16. This was a solemn time of judgment in Israel. Every man's life came in review that day. Was every sin confessed? Whosoever was not found right with God, when that service was performed, was cut off from having a part with God's people. It is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. Lev 23 29. It was indeed an annual day of judgment in Israel. And all this was an example and shadow of heavenly things. Hebe. 8, colon 5. Christ's closing work in heaven, therefore, the last phase of Christ's ministry as our high priest in the sanctuary of God above, must be a work of judgment, a review of the heavenly record, corresponding to the final ministry in the second apartment of the earthly tabernacle, when that sanctuary was cleansed. Illustration: The memorial of his sacrifice. As often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. 1 Cor 11:26. Daniel the prophet was shown in vision this change in the ministry of our high priest namely